Sunday started out with doing a little bit of what I inevitably seem to do on holidays, and that's a little bit of DIY. Oh, you don't know what that means. Do it yourself. And I had to uh, start doing a little bit of DIY. And uh, it wasn't sort of the way I was planning the holiday. And, uh, but it ended up that way. And in the process, there was a song that was just going on in my heart the whole time. And I was, I was uh, quite surprised because it's an old hymn that we never really sang as a congregation. And I, I don't remember us actually singing it, but it was a a hymn I was familiar with, and it's entitled, So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And the chorus goes, and this is the part that was sticking with me, is, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust him more. Oh, for grace to trust him more. And while I was doing this handyman work, I, mean, I was just, this was going on in my spirit and I was humming it all the time. And it just would go on and on and there was a man who was helping me and he was helping doing the painting work and And I was humming this continually, and he was quiet and getting on with the job. And we worked together for about four days, and on the last day, as I was humming the same song that I'd been humming for four days, just that chorus, this man began to sing it. And he was a Christian brother from Malawi, And he said, no, we used to sing that song, and I've been listening and watching you for the last few days. He said, today I decided I'm going to tell you the words, I'm going to sing it for you. (laughs) (laughs) And so we had a special moment because here it was, he knew the words, and we became friends, and he told me a lot about his life and what he had been through, but those words, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust you more. Even yesterday as I was flying back on the plane, that chorus was just going through my head. And I was just so aware of this aspect of trusting him more. And I I believe that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to trust him even more. As Christians, we live a life of trust, but it should be something that is growing and developing. We should be trusting God more this year than we did last. We should be developing this aspect of our lives, and some people may think we're foolish, but you know what? This is the very foundation of our faith. And I was reminded how that at the end of last year, when that reconciliation took place, which we let you know about, how we had trusted the Lord for 18, in excess of 18 years. And many times during that, I I lost hope. 
But something deep within me kept holding on and, and, and God brought about a breakthrough in that very thing after 18 years. And I've discovered I, I can trust and I, I should have trusted a bit more. And so I'm, I'm determined to trust him and I, I want us to use this moment to, to reaffirm our trust in him and to be determined to trust him even more. That's what I'd like us to do as we are together and as we have communion in a few minutes. One of the things I believe is we can trust his word. We can, we can take it at face value and trust it. Now, as you know, we've been away as a family together for the first time in 12 years just over this Christmas New Year period. It's been just a, a wonderful occasion just to be together. Usually, you know, we split up and as families do, but this one, we were together. And it, it was a wonderful thing. And uh, on uh, Old Year's Eve, we had a braai and uh, then we got a bonfire going and, and then we, we lit some of those lanterns. Now, who of you have ever lit those lanterns? Who of you discovered it's not that easy? If you think you see these lanterns and you think you're going to get them, well, it's not as, not as easy as you think, by the way, but we had, um, you know, there were 13 of us, so there were about 13 professionals, so we were ready to let the lanterns go, and um, everybody was giving their, their 20 cents worth, and um, well, the first lantern went off well, and the second one was okay, and the third one, it wafted up like this, and then it went above the house, and then it came down, and it settled on the roof of the house. And my mother was saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My, 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 brother, my brother Peter was saying, get the children on the roof, get the children on the roof. And I'm saying, please, don't get the children on the roof, just leave them. And then by the grace of God, it just lifted and moved away. <laughs> And I tell you, it was one of those moments, but it was a wonderful evening. In the end, we sat and there was a cloudless sky. It was just absolutely beautiful. And we looked up at the stars. It was so clear and so beautiful. And, uh, you know, in our family, we were so fearful of astrology that we wouldn't look too close. <laughs> I mean, we'd look and admire but we wouldn't look too close. I mean, in our home, you tore out the page with the stars of the newspaper before you brought it into your house. I mean, you didn't read it. You didn't even bring it into your house. I mean, on the plane, as I was flying back, the lady in front of me was busy reading her horoscope, and I felt like I must lean over and just tear out the page for her. You know, but we didn't really look at these things, and, and uh, you know, we were... Anyway, that was how we were, and uh, we... The question was raised, I wonder where I, uh, Orion's belt is. And um, so Mandri took her phone and Googled it, and she found it, and she showed us, and we looked, and so far, we found it. And, uh, and you know, it was just one of those occasions. And then my brother Peter said he, he wonders whether the Bible speaks of Orion's belt. And we thought, surely, no, you know, never. But you know what? He went and searched for it. And the Bible does speak of Orion's belt. And it's in the book of Job. 
And do you know that Job is the oldest book in the Bible? And do you know that Job is possibly, as I've done my research, the oldest book in the world? I believe it was inspired by God. And right there is Orion's belt. You can go and read about it in Job chapter 9 and verse 9. It says, he is the maker of the bear and Orion and Pleiades and the constellations of the south. In Job 38 and verse 31, it says, can you bind the chains of Pleiades or can you loosen Orion's belt? And you know what? I suddenly realized I can place more confidence in God's word. He knows what he's speaking about. And I want to tell you, sometimes we need to put more trust in God's word. Sometimes we, we are professional skeptics when we should take his word at face value. So let us trust his word ever more. I believe it's the, another foundation of our faith. Another aspect is that I believe we can trust his promises more. Maybe there's some promises that you've been holding on to that have never materialized. I believe it's time to pull them out again. It's time to begin trusting God for those promises again. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. And you can rest in God's promises. One, because God doesn't lie. Humanity is prone to lying. God is truth. And so you can trust him. Another reason is that he's not confused. He doesn't say something and then, upon reflection, change it. You see, we, we are prone to ch change our minds all the time. It could be because of changes in situations or in age or we maybe get more information. And, and so we, we live in a world where we're changing that position all the time. But God doesn't need to do that. That's why we can have confidence in his promises. And so perhaps it's time to pull out those promises again and to trust him afresh. The other aspect, I believe, is that we can trust in the power of his precious blood more. And that ties in with what we're going to do when we have communion in a few minutes. You see, the blood speaks of atonement, forgiveness, reconciliation, access to God, victory over sin, cleansing of sin, victory over the devil, relationship with God. It even relates to peace in death. And his blood spares us the judgment we are due. And I believe we can trust in his precious blood more. The Bible is full of, speak, of, of explanations and speaking about this aspect of blood. In the Old Testament, the animals were slaughtered for the forgiveness of sins and for covenant purposes. In the New Testament, Jesus dies and his blood is spilt for the forgiveness of sins and for covenant purposes. And since Jesus' death, there is absolutely no need to slaughter any animals. It is futile because the Lamb of God has already spilt his blood once and for all, for all of us. And we can trust the power of that precious blood more. Another aspect, I believe, is we can trust in his abiding presence 
more. You see, he said he would never leave us nor, nor forsake us. He said he would be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that abiding presence is something I believe that if it's alive within us, no matter what life brings, it, it won't uproot us if his abiding presence remains. You see, his abiding presence was with Daniel in the lion's den. His abiding presence was with the young people who were in the fiery furnace. His abiding presence was with the nation of Israel when the angel of death passed over. His abiding presence was with Peter when Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. And so let us trust in his abiding presence. Trust his abiding presence to lead you and be the umpire of your life. I love this verse. It's in the Amplified Bible from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ... The inner calm of one who walks daily with him be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. Beautiful scripture. I believe as we trust God more, we can rest more because there's a link between trusting and resting. If we will trust, we can rest. If we don't trust, well, then we have to despair because if we look at things around us, there's reason to. But when we trust him, there can be this resting. Now, my, my father came from East London, and uh, he came up to the Bible College in Johannesburg to study. And he used to travel up and down between East London and Johannesburg regularly as he studied. After that, he was called to pastor the church, Hatfield Baptist Church, and he came and so he continued, his parents lived in East London, and he would travel up and down regularly, and he knew the road incredibly well. In fact, he used to travel the road in a Messerschmitt. Who of you know what a Messerschmitt is? It's a very strange-looking three-wheel bubble car. And then he got a Vespa, and he used to travel, and he used to tell me how that the storms would come, and then the road would go this way, and he'd be so thankful. And God would just undertake, he knew the road so well. And he was so looking forward to the day when I could get my driver's license because then he said, I'm gonna sit and sleep and you are gonna drive me up and down to East London and back. And I was quite excited about that myself because uh, I was always keen on driving even from a, a, a very young age. But one day we were traveling down and... Uh, my father was sitting next to me relaxing and I was driving and he nodded off to sleep and he fell asleep. And I always liked those times when he fell, you know, nodded off to sleep because it meant I could uh, go a little bit faster. <laughs> I could push that envelope just a little bit more. And so I was uh, pushing the envelope. My grandfather sometimes used to sit in the back and he used to tell me, your driving makes me nervy. Leave that for your own explanation. But anyway... And we were driving and my father's asleep and I'm driving and the next thing out of his sleep, he says, the next corner is a sharp bend, go slowly. <laughs> now you see, I come from a family of backseat drivers. We are quite professional at it. In fact, my mom is so professional at it, sometimes when I, as I leave the retirement center, she will say to me, turn right. And I said, but we're not going right. She's going to turn right. I know a better road, you know. So we're professional backseat drivers. Here, my father, out of the depths of his sleep, is telling me how to do it. 
But you know, sometimes we're like that with God. He's in the driving seat, and we don't want to really rest because we think we know better. We think, you know, there's a curve around that corner, and we maybe must just advise him. We don't need to do that. You can just rest. He'll get you there. You can rest as you trust him. I believe in the long run, you'll be glad you trusted God. And if you can still an attitude of trust in your children and your grandchildren, do that. And it's oftentimes best to learn to trust God in the good times. Don't wait for bad times to trust him. Learn to trust him. When the bad times come, it'll be an automatic response. Trusting him brings its own rewards. I believe life, rest, joy, and peace are some of the rewards he has for us as we trust him. I'm going to ask the communion team if they wouldn't mind stepping out just to prepare the elements as I share the last point. And the last point is that I believe we, we need to trust him more. And I wanted to read that old hymn to you, just the first verse and then the chorus again. The first verse goes like this. It says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." You know, there's something wonderful about trusting God. There's something so sweet about it. "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, and just to know, thus saith the Lord. And the chorus goes, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. This song was written by a lady by the name of Louisa Stead, and this is her story. I'll just read it for you. It was a beautiful sunny day. Louisa Stead, her husband, and her daughter Lily decided to go for a picnic. They went picnicking on Long Island Sound. While having their picnic, the Steads heard a scream. It was from a young boy. Mr. Stead ran to the rescue. Louisa Stead and young Lily watched helplessly as Mr. Stead and the boy drowned. Their troubles were not yet over, however. Without her husband, Mrs. Stead became very poor and destitute. Yet God never left her. He provided for her always, and she and her daughter made it through. Louisa learned to trust God, and thus the words of the song, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus," were written shortly after this incident. What amazed me is the next line. It says, Shortly after this incident, Louisa and her daughter Lily moved to South Africa where they became missionaries. We have a great legacy here. A great legacy of great people who have laid a great foundation. And therefore, I believe we can trust for great things. We're going to ask the 